On this solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, we should start by remembering that we are all meant to be one in Christ. We are meant to be unified with God. Even though we're flawed, imperfect beings, Jesus poured out his blood and offered us a new covenant. But just like the old covenant, there are expectations around how we keep up our end of the bargain. We haven't been saved so we can sit on the couch and trash talk people we don't understand. We haven't been saved so we can worship hateful politicians who demonize entire groups of God's children. No, we've been saved so we can serve the living God. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the Feast of Corpus Christi, Cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. So as I said, today we'll be looking at the readings for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, which is also known as the Feast of Corpus Christi, and that's Cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. Now our first reading is from Exodus, it's chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. Our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews. It's chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And our gospel reading is from Mark's gospel. It's chapter 14, verses 12 through 16, and 22 through 26. Now, just a couple things to note. Uh, first, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. So Exodus is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Hebrews is actually from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Now tonight, we'll see that blood gets splattered, ashes of a heifer gets sprinkled, and Jesus offers a new way. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. As I said, our first reading is from the book of Exodus. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve stone pillars representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. 
And our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And finally, our Gospel reading is from Mark. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from the book of Exodus, it's, it's interesting that we can often easily overlook certain things because we hear them over and over again throughout our years in the Catholic Church. And I think this reading is one of those things. Now, if you attend Mass uh, the week that they do these readings and the lector comes to this line, Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people. You know, the crowd, the congregation, they're not going to go, ooh, yuck. But, but read that same paragraph to a group of third graders, and that's definitely the reaction you're going to get. Now, it does sound a bit macabre when you think about it, but it's, it's very closely linked to the other two readings, as you probably heard. But let's just, let's just look at a couple things in this reading from Exodus. So first, 
After Moses told the people all the Lord's words and laws, basically what God expected of the people, it says they responded with one voice. Now, when the crowd responds later, the text says they responded and then has a phrase in quotes. Now, the implication in both cases is that the crowd, all of the people gathered there, were saying the exact same thing at the same time. And when does that happen in your life? Well, it happens at Mass, right? It, it happens when, when we participate as a group in a ritual. So this scene from Exodus is, in essence, the ritual where the Lord established the covenant with the people of Israel. And this, this particular ritual ensured that the covenant was sealed in blood. Now, another thing to note is the 12 stone pillars, right? one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, which also aligns with the 12 pillars of the church, that is, the 12 disciples who were present at the Last Supper. So it's, you know, it's pretty slick how all the symbolism starts to align between the Old Covenant and the New. But the main message I got from this reading from Exodus is that we are meant to be unified with God. You know, so much of our faith is grounded in Scripture, including all of these linkages with the Old Testament. These, these aren't macabre stories of bloody animal sacrifices. They're the events that foreshadow the coming of Christ and, and his establishment of a new covenant. These are stories that help us to see that we are meant to be unified with God. So our second reading was from uh, the letter to the Hebrews. And the first thing to note is kind of the strong linkage, I guess, between this second reading and the first reading. You know, usually the first reading is more closely linked to the gospel reading. On this solemnity, all three readings are certainly related, but these first two readings specifically deal with blood sacrifices, the blood of animals, that is. Now, the letter to the Hebrews is known for using a, a lot of imagery that doesn't necessarily resonate with those of us who were you know, born centuries after it was written. And this passage is no exception. All this, all this talk of blood of goats and calves and bulls and the ashes of a heifer you know, being sprinkled on people, just like the first reading, it, it, it can sound kind of weird. But to the audience it was written for, these things were, were probably well-known, maybe even commonplace. So, so let's get beyond the stuff that seems weird to us and try to find the meaning. What the author is describing, and, and we basically don't know anything about the author, and biblical scholars and historians, they don't even know exactly who the audience was either, but, but the author is describing the old way of trying to be unified with God the old way of, of trying to cleanse ourselves of our sins. And the author is saying, it doesn't really work. People who use the old rituals, the old ways, are honoring the old covenant, and they're only outwardly clean. It only appears that they've been cleansed of their sins. Then the author lays out the logical argument supporting the new covenant, the covenant that was created because Christ offered himself 
as a blood sacrifice, not, not a goat or a calf or a bull. Christ offered his unblemished blood. Now, this is all pretty cool, and, and it's all very well known. All, all Christians talk about the new covenant and the blood of the covenant, Christ's blood. But they often seem to skip over one very important thing. Why? Why did Jesus do it? Why, why did Jesus give up his own life to become the, the mediator of a new covenant? Well, it says it very clearly in this reading so that we may serve the living God. Yes, we've been saved from sin so that we can ultimately receive uh, the promised eternal inheritance. But in the meantime, we are absolutely supposed to serve the living God, not some old dead God, not some false God like fame or fortune. We're called to serve the living God who is alive in the church, in the people who have received the Holy Spirit. So the main message I got from this second reading is that we are saved so we can serve the living God. This is so crystal clear. I'm not sure how to explain it any better. We are saved so we can serve the living God. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. And this reading is obviously an account of the Last Supper, when Jesus breaks bread that he identifies with his body and then shares a cup of wine that he identifies with his blood. Of course, this, this meal with its ritual of sacrifice and thanksgiving became our Eucharist, and it's the center, the, the source and summit of our Catholic faith. What's interesting to me is that the old rituals, the ones we read about earlier in our first two readings, didn't involve eating the flesh of the animals that were sacrificed. In fact, they usually burned the bodies and, according to our second reading, sometimes sprinkled the ashes on the people to, quote, cleanse them. So the flesh wasn't the critical piece in the old rituals. It was the blood. Now, as Catholics, especially those of us who remember not receiving the blood during the liturgy of the Eucharist, we think of the body as being the most critical form or species of the sacrament of the Eucharist. It must be, because that's what everybody used to get, right? and only the ordained were allowed to consume the blood. Huh. But, but let's take a look at this reading again to see what Jesus seemed to emphasize the most. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body period. One sentence. It, it briefly describes what happens and ends with Jesus saying, take it, this is my body. That's it. There's no further explanation. But then when we get a couple paragraphs about the cup, the wine, the blood, right? We get so much more, including an explanation. An explanation, I should point out, that includes the phrase, which is poured out for many. So I guess it makes sense that the church eventually got around to allowing everyone to share in the body and the blood, since Jesus offered it for the many, not just the select few. So the Feast of Corpus Christi is the celebration of the body and blood of Christ, which was given to us as the sign and seal of God's new covenant with us. 
So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that Jesus poured out his blood for us. It's a message that plenty of marginalized Catholics need to hear and take to heart. The institutional church is made of human beings, flawed, sinful, prideful people, because, well, that's how humans are. It's how we tend to be. But the new covenant isn't just between Jesus and the institutional church. The new covenant is between Jesus and each one of us, each true Christian, each and every true follower of Christ, because Jesus poured out his blood for us. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Exodus, the main message I came away with was we are meant to be unified with God. In our second reading from Hebrews, uh, the main message I got was we are saved so we can serve the living God. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was Jesus poured out his blood for us. On this solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ, we should start by remembering that we are all meant to be one in Christ. We are meant to be unified with God. We're actually created for it. And even though we are flawed, imperfect beings, Jesus poured out his blood and offered us a new covenant. But just like the old covenant, there are expectations around how we keep up our end of the bargain. We need to embrace the fact that we have been saved not to sit on the couch and trash talk people we don't understand, not to worship hateful politicians who demonize entire groups of God's children. No, we have been saved so we can serve the living God. So let's step back and we'll take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. To help us think about this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why, why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care because the, the sacrament of the Eucharist is a special experience where we can go celebrate as a community of faith and physically receive Christ and God's grace. And we can do it week after week. Heck, we can do it every day. The church offers it every day except Holy Friday. Every, every day of the year. But far too many people seem to just go through the motions. They show up, stand up, sit down, kneel, mumble in unison, and then numbly go through the line to get their Jesus cookie, and then sprint for their car out in the parking lot. Is it, is it any wonder that so many young people drift away from the church as soon as they're out of their parents' sight? If they don't understand the amazing gift they're being offered, then they don't even see it as a gift. They, they see it as, a, as an obligation, and they do it so their parents won't nag them. We need to change that. The last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do, right? Where do we go from here? Okay, so how do we change people's view of the Eucharist? Well, like so many things, I'd suggest we start with ourselves. Are we just going through the motions? Are we mumbling our way through Mass and sprinting for the parking lot? Or are we smiling, singing, and praying loud and clear? Are you setting a good example for our young people, or are you setting the typical example? 
So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. When you receive the Eucharist, do so with a joyful and determined heart. When we're walking down the aisle towards the Eucharist, are we thinking about what we need to do later that afternoon? Or are we trying to recall the sacrifice, the new covenant, and how we're going to live up to our end of the bargain? Don't let your mind wander. When you receive the Eucharist, do so with a joyful and determined heart. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. Uh, you know, raising children properly has been a difficult task since the dawn of time. But keep in mind what we read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we've been offered the gift of salvation through a new covenant. So let's treat it that way and demonstrate to others that the sacrament of the Eucharist is a true, true gift. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.